0: This podcast is brought to you by Conquer Cancer, the ASCO Foundation. Our mission is to accelerate breakthroughs in life-saving cancer research and empower people everywhere to conquer cancer. You can help by donating at conquer.org forward slash podcast. Welcome to Your Stories, a podcast where we hear candid stories from people conquering cancer. I am your host, Brenda Brody. Immediately. Practice changing. The implications are difficult to overstate. Destiny 04 Changing results for advanced breast cancer. This is how an editorial in the New England Journal of Medicine describes the latest breakthrough in treating certain patients with metastatic breast cancer. This new standard of care can improve survival for about 50% of all patients diagnosed with metastatic breast cancer today. Dr. Shanu Modi, a Conquer Cancer grant recipient and breast cancer oncologist who led the study, aptly named the Destiny Breast04 trial, is here today with me. And I am so honored and excited to have you here today. Welcome,
1: Thank you so much. It's really a pleasure and an honor for me to be here. I'm really happy to be here on the podcast with you.
0: I have to ask you, after ASCO's plenary session, my phone was blowing up, literally, with my relatives that were there, friends, colleagues, because I produce product launches for a living in the oncology space. They said, I think it's been over 15 years since there has been a standing ovation at an ASCO plenary session. It's a tough crowd there. How did you feel?
1: (laughs) I've been obviously asked this question a lot. I guess the the one word is really overwhelming. It was unexpected and truly overwhelming to see that kind of a response. I mean, look, I, I knew going into this, this is a really important study, some very groundbreaking data and I knew um, it would resonate with the audience. You know, I, I will say um, the data deserve the standing ovation. But, I, you know, I, I do think there was a lot going on in that room that day. You know, it was the first big cancer meeting for all of us in person, for the, a large majority of us, I think. Uh, so we were all together and just, I think, seeing the positive progress. It was just a very emotional afternoon. But the the hero was really the the data, and, and definitely it deserved that standing ovation.
0: Oh, you're very humble. The data does speak for itself, as we're going to be talking about, but you had a lot to do with that. So congratulations. I'm so excited we're talking about this today. Thank you. You know, people who follow the news are hearing about the study, but- even for people who've had cancer, who, as we joke as a survivor, you know we probably can play some uh, doctor on TV. We don't understand all the medical terms. It can be hard to understand. Can you share with us what your research has revealed?
1: Yeah, I'm very happy to do that. So let me just give the audience a tiny bit of background. We normally, when we talk about breast cancer, we divide it into two sort of categories. Those Cancers that are HER2 positive and those cancers that are HER2 negative. So it's a a very much a a binary classification. So HER2 positive breast cancers, which is about 20% of all breast cancers, is a type of breast cancer that expresses really high levels of the HER2 protein on the cancer cells. And importantly, HER2-positive breast cancers are sensitive and they can be treated with our currently available HER2-targeted therapies, and these therapies have really changed the lives of patients with this subtype of breast cancer. All other breast cancers we call HER2-negative, but this sort of dichotomous classification is really an oversimplification because HER2-negative does not mean there is an absence of that HER2-protein. In fact, there are a lot of tumors within the her two negative category that express low levels of her two and we have now called these cancers her two low breast cancer and It's true our current available her two therapies have not proven to be very effective for this group of patients, but this low level of her two is targetable by this new generation of her two targeted therapies, specifically antibody drug conjugates. And this was the focus of the Destiny Breast 04 trial. I mean, this was a randomized phase three trial that compared one of these new HER2 antibody drug conjugates called trastuzumab deruxtecan, which we call TDXD for short. And we compared it to standard chemotherapy for patients who have HER2 low metastatic breast cancer. And I think the trial very convincingly showed that this new new HER2 agent, this trastuzumab directs to Ken, we call it TDXD for short, that this new HER2 targeted therapy produced superior outcomes versus what would routinely be available to these patients, which is single agent chemotherapy. So it dramatically improved the time for the tumors to remain under control, and it dramatically improved prolonged survival for the patients with with HER2 low metastatic breast cancer. And it's exciting also because about half of all breast cancers have low levels of HER2. So the results from this therapy really have implications for a large proportion of patients with metastatic breast cancer.
0: Thank you so much for breaking that down for me and for others listening. There's so much information you gave us there. I want to also bring up that we talk about HER2 negative and positive, but also there's hormone receptive, positive and negative that also is part of diagnosis for a breast cancer patient. So I know sometimes when people first are diagnosed because I mentor people, they get so confused with all the information coming at them. And this is separate from that. This is first we're diagnosed with hormone receptive, positive or negative and then hair too positive or negative. And I actually was hormone positive, but I was hair too low, but I was plus one. So, I mean, I'm not metastatic and I'm 10 years out, which is great news in October. I can't wait to celebrate, but I just wanna make sure that we clarify that for some of those that might be listening to understand a little bit more about the diagnosis we go through as patients.
1: I think you brought up really important points. You know, more and more cancer therapy is is moving in that direction where we are trying to pinpoint what is precisely different about the patients or unique about that patient's cancer and, and then target that. And so the hormone receptor status of course was one of the original markers that we identified that was important in breast cancer. Uh, and like you said, there's hormone positive, there's hormone negative, there's hormone low now as well today, as well as HER2 positive, negative. And I, and I think now today, based on the destiny 4 we also have to pay attention, not just to those labels, but the actual precise level of the HER2 that a patient's cancer has. So like you said, your tumor was one plus. I think it's going to be important now for women and physicians to pay attention to the precise level of HER2 expression the cancer has. And I'm so happy to hear your story. I mean, this is a really fantastic drug for women with one plus HER2 positive or HER2 expressing breast cancer, but it's a drug I hope many women will hopefully never have the
0: need of. Exactly, yes, I couldn't agree more, but it's so exciting. And something else that you mentioned that I wanted to talk a little bit in more detail about is you talk about this is a targeted therapy. So this is a new experience and opportunity in the world that may be changing other cancers as well. Could you share a little bit more about what you mean by targeted therapy? This has become a mantra now, really, in cancer
1: medicine. is, you know, our goal always it has, and, and, and more than ever, is to try and find something unique in the cancer cells that we can target or inhibit. And that way we can make our treatments much more directed against the cancer cells and spare the healthy cells in the body that way. And that, I mean, that's the goal. And this is sort of part and parcel of this new therapy, trastuzumab deruxtecan. It is a targeted therapy. It is targeted to HER2. And in the past, these HER2 targeted drugs, and we have eight HER2 targeted drugs available today. They have only been effective in patients whose tumors had extremely high levels of the HER2 target. And they're very effective. I mean, like I said, they have really changed the lives of women or patients, I should say, who have HER2-positive breast cancer. But we've known there is this group of patients that have lower levels of this HER2 protein on their cells, and we've just never been able to effectively target it. And this is the first HER2-targeted drug that has been successful in doing that. So we've now... At a point where we can expand HER2-targeted therapies to a whole new population of patients who've not had a HER2-targeted therapy before.
0: And I read that this basically doubles the lifespan for someone who has been diagnosed with severe metastatic breast cancer. Is that true? And can you share more about that? So... The first endpoint that we looked at to determine if this was
1: an effective therapy was what we call progression-free survival, which means how long can we keep that patient's cancer under control before it starts to grow again or progress again. And so that's the primary endpoint of the study. It's the primary endpoint of many studies in the advanced stage setting. And in this study, we saw a doubling of that time doubled the duration of cancer control. So that is correct. One of the secondary endpoints, we call it, or key secondary endpoints, was overall survival. So just very simply, the time patients stay alive. And again, with this new agent, we saw that there was a prolongation in survival by one-third or 35% improvement, prolongation in survival with the targeted therapy versus single-agent chemotherapy To put these data in context, this is a setting, the advanced stage metastatic setting, where in the past when we've introduced new therapies, it's been very difficult to show survival benefit. I mean, for most of the new therapies we introduce in this sort of later stage setting, we see quality of life improvements, not survival improvements. So a six-month improvement, an average six-month improvement or prolongation in survival is actually very significant. And I mean, it's important, it proves the point that, look, we can make an impact in late stage breast cancer. We can really improve survival. And it's just, I think the beginning of where we can go with drugs like this. So, So it's really exciting. And this is more than just about breast cancer or this particular drug. I mean, this is really about cancer and progress in cancer therapy. And I think what we have shown in this trial in many ways can be extrapolated to other cancers where we can now maybe try to attempt to target low-level proteins that we never thought we could target before. And and so this could really, I think, open up a lot of research and hopefully progress in, in lots of different types of cancer for lots of different patients.
0: This is so exciting. It provides such hope for so many people that are dealing with metastatic cancers It's really, I'm just blown away. I know people that are listening are saying, is this treatment available? When can we see it on the market and when can patients expect to be getting it?
1: It's a good question. So interestingly, this is a drug that is already available because it was first studied. Remember, it's a HER2 targeted drug. So it was actually first studied in HER2 positive breast cancer. And we did the definitive trials of tdxD in patients who had an advanced stage her two positive breast cancer, and have shown in those studies that this is probably one of the most active drugs against her two positive breast cancer available today and so once we saw the activity in the her two positive arena, then you know we started to explore its potential in the her2 low population which is which is what we saw. So it is a drug that is available and and available not just in the US it's actually available in many countries now throughout the world for her2 positive breast cancer.
0: That's fantastic news. Very very exciting. You've been seeing patients for more than 25 years now, many of whom have been waiting for treatment such as this. We talked a little bit about this but How does this make you feel being part of this breakthrough? This research really took years to reach this point. It's really the
1: work of numerous and hundreds, if not thousands of of people and patient volunteers, which culminated in the actual presentation. But, you know, look, it was a real great honor for me to present these results on behalf of everyone who was involved. And, And obviously, it's thrilling to see Response from the audience, which was full of of patient advocates as well. So, this is something obviously I will keep with me for a long time. Um, But, you know, on a bigger scale, this was really, like I said, a step forward in, in cancer therapy in general. And it's really a tremendous accomplishment. These things don't happen that often in our field. So, I think it's a time for us to feel happy. But for me, it's also it just means that there's a lot more work ahead, you know, there's there's a lot
0: more progress still that we have to make. Sure, thank you. Something you might not know about me is that I actually was in the Herceptin trial for plus 1 and it ended up the study didn't work out, but I was in that trial and I was followed for 3 years when they were working on that trial. So, as you can imagine, I believe in Clinical trials. And I believe that if you are a patient that has an opportunity to be in a trial, that it's something that could help science and could help lives. I've lost many people to cancer. So I have a background of wanting to help. So that's why I, as a patient raised my hand and said, is there a trial I can be in? And my doctor found one and, and I signed up. But do you have any advice for folks and any wisdom to share? about what it is like for a patient to be in a clinical trial and what the vital role of that patient is to participate in a trial. Thank you
1: for participating. I think, as you said, at the end of the day, the work that we're doing, the research that we're conducting, is it's designed to help people with cancer. And without patient volunteers, advancement and progress in, in cancer medicine is really just not possible. So it's really on the backs of very brave and committed patients and their families, we make these positive strides. It's true, there is, I think, always a potential for personal benefit. But like you, I've heard many patients say that even if things don't work out for them, they hope that the trial they've participated in uh helps advance science and maybe can make a help somebody else in the future and, and is important in, in the big picture. And I it's something very altruistic and and inspiring, I think. Uh it keeps me motivated taking care of patients like that. So I encourage people to think about clinical trials. Research has come a long way, and we shouldn't think of clinical trials as the last resort. You know, I this is what I'm gonna do when I've run out of options. There are a lot of really exciting things in the pipeline these days. We've just advanced so much in our understanding and the biology of cancer and A lot of the new therapies that are coming out are very targeted, as we talked about, and they're showing a lot of early promise. And so I encourage patients to think about clinical trials at every part of their journey with cancer, because you never know when you're going to be the person who is on Destiny Breast 04 and you get access to a really exciting drug that does help you personally and the whole field, sometimes years before they become available. And again, this is how we make progress in in cancer medicine.
0: I think those are are such wonderful points that you bring up. And also, I think it's important for patients to know that they can talk to their doctors because if they need support, they need folks driving them to clinical trials. There's a lot of support that's given at the office level that people don't realize if they need help being involved in a clinical trial. That's something that my doctor's office, I know, has resources for. So if they want to consider it, but don't know how they'll do it, juggling the kids and work and everything, they should chat with their doctor about that.
1: Yeah, you're right. I mean, it takes a commitment, actually, of the patient, of the family, the whole community, really. And I think we're very cognizant of that. And we do try to Remove as much burden as we can. And there are services, as you said. So so do ask your doctor about what's available to them. And a lot of the studies themselves, they will build in, for example, things just like parking, reimbursement, you know, that helps. It really does help people. I think that's an important part of doing clinical research today to make sure the research is accessible to people.
0: What do you think will be the next breakthrough in breast cancer treatment? Drum
1: roll. (laughs) A million dollar question there is so much research and investigation that's happening into so many different aspects of understanding the biology and the science behind cancer and its treatment of course that i expect that we are going to make progress on many different fronts simultaneously that's the great and exciting thing about the field of oncology i mean it, it is it is truly constantly evolving and moving forward for the near term i believe we're going to see that cancer diagnostics really explode onto the scene so basically blood tests that can diagnose cancer can also be used to monitor its progress and guide treatment in a precise way that that we haven't been able to do before and i think this will have implications for all cancer types and stages and I, it's really a, a revolution we've been desperately waiting for and I think if we we can combine this with our advanced therapeutics, I mean we can build more personalized therapies for patients and limit toxicities for patients and I think all of this obviously will have a tremendous impact on patients' lives. There's so much happening I mean gene therapy is exciting, there's so many avenues we're exploring, so I tell everyone, you know stay tuned. there's good things coming.
0: I love hearing that because there's so much hope, and I personally have several family members that are metastatic and to hear that they're is opportunities that are coming that might be in their futures that might save their lives. There's so much hope for so many. So it's great to hear. How vital is donor-funded research in bringing these discoveries to patients?
1: Good research requires not just bright ideas, but practically speaking, money and investment is, is needed to investigate new treatment paths, funding to support researchers and the effort and the time involved. I mean, breakthroughs rarely happen quickly and and discoveries like the DESTINY trial are really born from years and years of research. And this is often fueled by private donor funding actually. So this type of funding is really critical. In fact, it's essential for research and progress to happen.
0: I have to say as a patient, I was not aware of private funding opportunities for research until I was introduced to the Conquer Cancer Foundation, actually, after I was sick. And I also got involved with Women Who Conquer Cancer. And it's an unbelievable organization. So those that are listening, that are looking for places to donate for funding, you can look on the Conquer Cancer website and see the opportunities that are there. Getting diagnosed with cancer is such an overwhelming experience for a patient. What's your advice to someone who has recently been diagnosed with cancer? From my perspective, education.
1: Patients need to educate themselves first and foremost about the disease and the potentials. Be prepared so that you can ask your medical team the right questions so you can get the answers you need, and then be part of the informed decision-making about your own care to sort of not be passive, but take part in this. And there's a lot of help available to make things understandable, accessible, so that patients can really be participants, just receive the
0: care they need and get. I think you bring up a great point, and that's, it's important to be your own advocate, to understand, to do your research and to advocate. Is there anything else? Obviously, patients rely on doctors for their treatment process but is there anything you feel that patients could do to improve the treatment process for themselves and for the doctors? Patients take on such a burden,
1: frankly. I mean, not only are they dealing with the disease and the illness and and all that entails, there's so many practical things that they have to think about logistics and getting care and thinking about life beyond the cancer clinic, you know? So, you know, we talked about being prepared and knowledgeable. There are a lot of ancillary services. We talked about this before in the system that recognize patients have a lot to handle. So there are things in place to try and relieve that burden as much as possible. I think the other thing is is make sure you have a good support system. You know, Surround yourself with the positive people that you need, the can-do people who are there to help you. I mean, there are times when all of us need to rely on, on the village and people shouldn't hesitate to use that in a time of need. I think that is something we, you know, we all may need to rely on one day. So making sure to have the people around them that they're advocates that are on their side.
0: I think those are all great points and it's so hard. I know speaking from myself, To have to rely on people so much when you're going through the process of a cancer diagnosis and then treatment. But another key I'd like to add on to that is don't hesitate to ask for help. It's so hard, but you have to ask for help. And if you don't have a village around you, there are amazing resources locally that one can connect with. I know we have a great resource, Hope Connections, here. There are support systems, support groups that can help guide you professionally. So I encourage everyone to reach out to those support networks and your oncologist will know of them in your area. How are you conquering cancer?
1: I work towards that goal every day. For me, oncology really is a very dynamic and exciting field. And from an academic perspective, I mean, it requires constant learning and studying, and, and that really keeps me engaged and challenged. And on a personal level, I'm really, you know, inspired and I'm really motivated by my patients. I'm moved by my patients, actually. And and they need us as caregivers. They need us as researchers to do better and and keep building on today's work tomorrow because there's really no time to lose. And I feel that fire and it helps me to keep my eye on goal. I mean, we need to conquer cancer and and I believe we will be successful one day. And I really want to bear witness to that.
0: Thank you so much. We need more and more of folks like you, oncologists that have that fire to save lives. And I thank you so much on behalf of all the patients for all that you're doing for breast cancer.
1: Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure to be here with you.
0: Thank you for listening to this podcast brought to you by Conquer Cancer, the ASCO Foundation. For doctor-approved patient information, please visit cancer.net which is supported in part by Conquer Cancer donors. Conquer Cancer is creating a world where cancer is prevented or cured and every survivor is healthy. You can help by donating at conquer.org forward slash podcast. The participants of this podcast report no conflicts of interest relevant to this podcast. Full disclosures can be found on the episode page on conquer.org. The purpose of this podcast is to educate and to inform. This is not a substitute for professional medical care and is not intended for use in the diagnosis or treatment of individual conditions. Guests on this podcast express their own opinions, experience, and conclusions. Guest statements on the podcast do not express the opinions of ASCO. The mention of any product, service, organization, activity, or therapy should not be construed as an ASCO endorsement.